Hi there and welcome to the world famous Driving You Crazy podcast. This is the show where we talk all things transportation, anything that gets you from here to there and everywhere. I am the traffic anchor and the transportation reporter for Denver 7 News in the lovely city of Denver, Colorado, Jason Luber. I'm Joseph Peters and I just bought a Cliff Bar and a bottle of coffee for the same price as a value meal at Carl's Jr. So I feel great, Jason. How are you? <laughs> Oh, there's more to this story that only you can describe. Uh, I will not. If you want to, go ahead. But Suffice it to say that Dunkin' Donuts got my order incorrect twice, even after I asked them nicely to fix it the first time. I waited 15 minutes for it the first time, and it ended with me throwing a coffee at the front window of the restaurant. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Dunkin' Donuts, because I love you so much, but God, why are you even open if you can't make a coffee correctly? That is extreme. (sighs) Now, I do blame a little bit the corporation because they are not paying maybe the workers high enough wages to actually get good, competent people that give a crap about what they're doing. Amen. Amen. Honestly, that's what it comes down to. If you as a business, if I had my own business, uh, I would be paying my workers a certain wage so you, one, control how many good people you have, all of them, and then you take care of them so they are always good, representing your business well, and then you have a successful business. My man, you should be a leader somewhere. But I'm telling you, that, that, that works better or works easier in a smaller business, but it can work at the corporate level, too, if you give a damn. Well, you have to plan to pay people what they deserve, or at least well, enough it's not to keep even them what around. they deserve, but what they sh- what really what a, a wage that will make them care. Yep. Yeah, pay them enough to make them care. That's the perfect way to put it. And, you know, some companies can't even do that, like a certain transportation company in the city of Denver that we may or may not be talking about today. <laughs> and speaking of the city of Denver... Uh, the city of Denver actually voted for the creation of their own transportation department. So we have our state, Colorado, transportation department, and now we're going to have the Department of Denver Transportation, which should be interesting to see how that all flushes out. Can't wait. Can't wait. Sounds like a lot of money. I don't think they're going to come to me for any advice. They could if they choose to. We know people over there. We know a lot of people over there. Uh, Teresa Marchetta is over there, former uh, Denver 7 anchor and investigative reporter. She's over there, I mean, hanging with the mayor all the time. All the time. Uh, Gloria Neal, who I knew, I worked with at KOA Radio, hanging out there all the time. There's a lot of people I know over there. Friends in high places. And uh, do you think they're going to come to me, ask for a little advice or... Anything? No. No. Of course not. Maybe. Yeah, well, we'll see. Uh, but we did have some great reaction to the show that we did last week, the interview with Chuck Bonnewell uh, about his investigation, all about what's happening with the Colorado Department of Transportation and their inexperienced executive director, Shoshana Liu. If you haven't heard that interview or that story, it was in the last episode. It starts at about five minutes in. It was really uh, good. Uh, we have not heard, have we? From the governor? Not yet. From Shoshana? Not yet. And I expect we won't. I expect nothing to change unless some other of the local radio hosts or newspaper columnists take this issue on and then run with it and really start beating on their door for some kind of a comment. Well, we are. I mean, we are. Are we, we doing we, that? We are beating down everybody's door. We're, and, and really, that's all I can say right now. It's just that we're working on it. And if, if Shoshana or the governor is listening, reach out. 
we want to hear from you. Yeah, because I know there are people from CDOT that listen to this. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I want to see CDOT work to the best of its ability. And that's really what it comes down to. And I'm not seeing that under this current administration. And that's what's frustrating me because I know it can be one of the top organizations in the country. But right now, it's not. There are, there are so many inadequacies over there. I'd happy to, to consult with them. I'd be happy to throw them some ideas. Well, and you and I talked a little bit about this offline, but... You know, we have to it, it may be appropriate for us to give this time and space and let this debate flesh out a little bit more. Right. Sure. And, and that's really why I think it's so appropriate for us to continue reaching out to these guys and say, hey, we want to get your side on the record instead of letting the narrative be driven so much by, you know, the people who yes. strongly yeah, you're, you're believe, right. to your point, that she's not qualified and who and who are laying out a very strong case in a very public way. But even if she, let's say she learns to be qualified, it still is a problem right now they're having with uh, a lot of different issues, and I wish they would all be fixed. Well, and the bigger problem is that they were counting on Prop C passing and getting a whole lot more money for transportation. Maybe not counting on, right, but they were hoping, oh, and sure. now it didn't. And, and now it's like, oh, well, we don't have enough money again. The same debate this state always has. Yes. I, I guess I, I would like a nominal fee, of course. If if I did any consulting work for for them, uh, it would be nice to be thrown a bone. I know it, that engineering background really helps you out, right? <laughs> Maybe I should go back to school again, huh? Because I already went back to school and got that forecasting degree from Penn State. So why don't I get an engineering <laughs> degree from Texas A and M? Um, I I, <laughs> I just hope they get their their stuff all together over there. All right, here's a headline from a news site that I believe is pronounced duh. <laughs> Study shows eating while driving is incredibly unsafe. <laughs> that, the headline from the website, duh. Tell that to my mother and father who have crammed plenty of Big Macs while driving me to and from hockey practice in my youth. The actual name of the website is called The News Wheel. Nope, never heard of it. The article is not attributed to any one person, just The News Wheel staff. <laughs> All right. Which, which you got to wonder sure. how many are a part of the Newswheel staff. The story reads, you're driving cross-country and you're making good time when all of a sudden your stomach makes this god-awful noise that tells you it's time to eat. You don't want to lose your momentum or waste time at a sit-down restaurant, so you go to a drive through and get some fries. But when you eat while driving, you're not doing much for yourself in the way of safety. According to a survey done by the Zebra... Eating while driving can cost you a lot more than that $1 hamburger. By the way, where are you getting a burger for a dollar? Aren't they $2 now? I don't even think they have a dollar menu at McDonald's. I can tell you everywhere that offers a dollar hamburger. Oh, really? Yeah, well, we can talk about that later. Uh, the Zebra is an insurance comparison website headquartered in Austin. It compares the rates of over 200 insurance carriers if you're in the market. Okay. There's a lot of those kind of nice. places. Anyway, uh, the air quotes story... Continues, it should come as no surprise that things like sushi or spaghetti should be avoided, but even those smaller handheld food items can cause major damage to you and your car. Distracted driving comes in many forms outside of looking at your smartphone when you look down to see how much your delicious jelly donut is left, or when you try to catch a fry from falling into the dreaded Carmuda Triangle. You're putting yourself in harm's way. According to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, some of the most dangerous foods and drinks to consume while behind the wheel include hamburgers, donuts, hot coffee, and chocolate. How is chocolate dangerous to consume? Chocolate. 
They didn't say drinks like hot chocolate. They said hot coffee. So I guess cold coffee or one of the cold brews or the right, right, right. Whatever this brew thing that you have over here is is okay to drink. Genuinely surprised that uh, Budweiser didn't make the list. Yeah, that should have probably made the list. Just saying. Yeah, I remember the old bumper sticker: "If you're gonna drink and drive, drink a Budweiser." <laughs> the zebra noted that the average fender bender costs eight thousand nine hundred dollars, wow. or two thousand nine hundred sixty-six Starbucks drinks for those who are addicted to caffeine. That is them, not me. That's a good translation. Are your fries worth that much, Karen? Speaking of Karen, women are much more likely than men to eat behind the wheel. But the age of the worst offenders might surprise you. No, it's not those damn millennials. It's actually the baby boomers who are the most likely to eat while driving every day. Take that, Gerald. (laughs) Who is Gerald? We're not making Gerald's anymore, I'll tell you that. We haven't been making Gerald's for a while. No, we haven't. Not a lot of Tom, Dicks, and Harry's out there. No. Uh, I get that they want the writing to be conversational and a little edgy, but I mean, that was bordering on annoying and distracting. Yes. But they do make a good point that eating while driving is, is obviously a major distraction. I guess that's the point I wanted to make as well. So I mean, they're, yeah, I'm sure. Okay. So is changing the radio station, Jason. <laughs> I know. I was weaving the other day doing that exact same thing. Uh, in sailing news, I wish we had a sounder for sailing news. We can work on that. Maybe we should have like some uh, wave sounds or something. <laughs> a couple was kicked off a two-week cruise just one day into their two-week Caribbean trip for allegedly having sex too loudly. You are stunned in silence. What do you say to that? Uh, I mean, a lot of things, right? (laughs) There are a lot of places you could go with that, but really. It was reported that the pair left their balcony door open while having, quote, loud sex at 1 a.m. Afterward, the woman said the pair began arguing loudly but claimed there was no violence and no damage to the cabin. That was their claim. Later, the man was in the shower. The woman was smoking a cigarette on the balcony. When a manager, accompanied by a security guard, came to their room and told them the captain had ordered them to leave the cruise ship. The couple said they forgot their balcony door was open, but they were ordered anyway by the crew to disembark in Barbados, which was their first stop. That seems a little You can't turn excessive. your cruise into an episode of the real world. Is no, what you it can't. comes down to. I mean, right. like, look, it, it, I'm sure it was more than just a loud sex. It was probably also a loud argument, and somebody thought they were beating the shit out of each other. Sorry language um but but for real i i think the real question here is who complained i'm sure everybody in the cabins next to them because you you can hear not great but you can if somebody's really loud you could hear them in the next cabin over you are the expert here yes and if your balcony's open the door's open you can hear everything uh and so if you're out on the balcony or usually people at 1 a.m would be sleeping there'd be very few people out on the uh, on their balconies uh, but you would still be able to hear what's going on, and it would sound very disruptive, and you'd probably hear it in the hallway, too. But again, on this kind of cruise ship, I've never been on the TUI. It's a T-U-I is how they never spell it. Never heard of it. Okay. Uh, and it's a European-based cruise line, uh, but I've never been on them. So, But on, on, on typical cruises, I thought the Europeans were supposed to be more accepting of things like this. Yeah, right. Uh, after disembarking in Barbados, the couple say they were stranded for two days. 
were forced to pay thousands of dollars to catch a flight back to Paris, where they took a train home to Germany. The couple are now suing the cruise line for $15,000 for damages, including compensation for, quote, pain and reimbursement for travel expenses. They claim the tour operator and the captain violated their duty of care. Now, that is important because every time you take a cruise, you sign a cruise document. And in that document, there's all the provisions and provisos and all the fine print. The fine print that says, if we throw you off the cruise, we're not paying for it. Right? That's essentially what the fine fine, print says. There's lots and lots of fine print in all of these cruise documents. Lots and lots of fine print. My goodness. So anyway, the fine print says... If, in the opinion of the crew, a passenger's behavior is disruptive, threatening, or abusive, or is causing or is likely to cause danger or distress to others, the crew may terminate that passenger's travel arrangements without any liability, and the passenger will not be entitled to any refund or unused missed services or cost incurred resulting from that termination of the travel arrangements. Mm. Mm-hmm. Boom. Good luck with your lawsuit. Mm-hmm. You have to act in a certain way when you're in public spaces and on somebody else's boat. That's exactly what you, you're on the cruise. Sure, you paid for it, but you're still on somebody else's boat. Listen, if you want to be as loud as possible, pay for the room that's bigger with more sound protection so nobody can hear you. That's what it comes down to. I like to yell at people. Thus, I want a home in the country so I can yell at them as loud as I would like. Right? If I was quieter, I would want an apartment. Same thing goes for a cruise ship. If I want to yell at you for four days of a cruise, I need a bigger room to do so in. Yeah, that would probably work. Um, You're like the story about the little boy with the big horn. Yes. The tuba who couldn't find any place to play it, even out in the pastures with the cows. That's correct. He had to go out in a little boat and then play for the uh, seals. Isn't every parent's nightmare that their child wants to learn the drums? (laughs) Yes. Well, my child is trying to learn the French horn, which is going over swimmingly well. Uh, we have to <laughs> make sure she practices, Jason. Oh, she well, yeah, well, that's the thing. She doesn't practice very often, which is actually quite relaxing. Uh, her piano is much better than her French horn playing. Many cities have banned electric scooters from the sidewalk, saying they're dangerous for pedestrians. They have done that here in Denver, a lot of other cities we've covered. And they do that because it is dangerous for pedestrians. But if you find yourself in Singapore... And you are caught riding an electric scooter on a sidewalk, or a footpath, as they like to call them. You could face jail time. The new rule is in response to a series of accidents, including the death of an elderly cyclist in a collision back in September. They also say there have been many fires caused by these scooters charging uh, as they're charging these devices. I don't know why that has anything to do with riding them on the sidewalk, but they say the fires are a problem. Okay. Now, e-scooters were already banned from Singapore's roads, so now they can only be used on bike paths and a network of routes connecting the parks there. So it's really limiting where you can get to. So they're trying to get you on these alternative modes of transportation so you won't drive or drive the uh, your moped and then pollute the air. But then they're limiting where you can drive these things and ride them because they're so dangerous that you're getting killed. It's not the scooter that's dangerous. It's the scooter rider that's dangerous. I agree. And people don't appreciate how hard it is to ride one of those damn things and command it, commandeer it like appropriately. And that's what the real issue is. All these scooter accidents are caused by people who think that they know how to ride a scooter and they absolutely do not. Same thing with car crashes. 
All yes. these people think they know how to drive a car, and they don't. Yep. And they're getting into crashes. Had a whole ton of crashes here today. Did we really? Oh, yeah. Including one guy who was in a gravel-hauling semi-truck who was on this windy mountain road and decides that it's, oh, it's not that icy. It was icy enough for him to jackknife and almost go down Clear Creek. Mm. That would have been a big old mess, but no uh, I guess they would have had just some extra rocks in Clear Creek. Uh, the fine, if you're caught riding in Singapore, where you're not supposed to be riding, uh, it could be up to two months in jail and a maximum fine of about $1,500. And I'm sure that's a lot of money in Singapore dollars. We can only assume. I mean, it's a lot of money in American dollars. I can only assume how many it is in Singapore dollars. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That seems like it's a lot. But I've also said, if you want people to stop doing things, make the fines crazy high, like $1,500 fines for riding on the uh, street or the sidewalk and two months in jail. And then put them in jail when you can't collect on the fine, inevitably, because this is the generation of ghosters who sees a fine and they're just like, eh. France last week instituted a series of rules on their electric scooters, including setting the maximum maximum speed at 25 kilometers per hour for riders who must be at least 12 years old. That's what, 12 and a half miles? Uh, yeah, something like that. Okay. I'll go with that. That sounds good enough to me. Sure, I'm yeah. not I'm not that skilled in the kilometers. I'm better at the Celsius calculations. Okay. At the 1.8 Celsius thing. Uh, so, yeah, the scooters are a problem. I've seen fewer scooters now because of our weather, um, because it's tough to ride a scooter in the snow. Well, I think the stigma is starting to stick, right? That scooters are a, not dangerous, but just like an annoying form of transportation, and people don't want to be on the annoying form of transportation. Right. You know what I mean? I, you see them downtown because they're, they're, they make sense downtown, but you're starting to see them less and less out where we are. I have said it will take a big change in the infrastructure to encourage more drivers to buy and use electric cars. I, I like electric cars. They're just fine. But, but don't be fooled. They're actually still using coal to generate electricity, so it's still a pollutant of the whole thing. Yeah, we have some of the you know renewable stuff out to the Easter Plains, but it's really not. We re are still basically using gasoline for cars and coal for electric uh, utilities. Right? Uh, ish. Yes. I mean, oh. we, we, we can fact check that later. Thinking about how you fuel a car... Versus fueling an electric car is much different. Because when you need gas in your regular car, you just show up to the gas station, you spend three minutes at the pump, and you fill it up, and off you go. I mean, you're done. And boom, you get to keep driving for another week or week and a half, whatever. The entire process takes probably five minutes, maybe. Uh, maybe a few more if you go into the store and grab a drink or buy a Powerball ticket. <laughs> like we all do. Well, a couple of weeks ago... The first gas station in the United States that has been completely transformed from a petroleum station to an exclusively charging electric car uh, station opened up in Tacoma Park, Maryland. The longtime owner of this former gas station said he was already unhappy with the way oil and gasoline companies structure their contracts, such as limiting the use of multiple suppliers. In other words, getting gas from other places right. to control your costs. And it also includes clauses that extended contracts when a certain volume of sales is not met and limiting the maintenance support for their pumps. Now, these business factors were already pushing this guy to consider other options before making his gas station an all-electric station. Now, it was public works manager for the city of Tacoma Park in Maryland who first suggested to this owner to consider a conversion. But the conversion would need some help. And he had some help from the Electric Vehicle Institute, 
Because without that help, the gas station conversion would have never happened. And this conversion was jointly funded by the Electric Vehicle Institute and the Maryland Energy Administration. They provided a grant of $786,000. Wow. Wow. Almost a million dollars to convert a gas station into an electric charging station. How is that going to work? I mean, that's an honest question because isn't the point of electric cars, and this is just ignorance, you charge them at your house. Yeah. Like, the point is that you don't have to go to a gas station or an electric charging station to fill it. So why do you want a centralized location? It depends on your car. It depends on the car. Because, like, a Tesla can hold a charge of several hundred miles. All right? So you could, if you're just doing daily driving, charge Mm -hmm. it at your house every day or every couple of days. My car, my Volt, without the generator that's in the car that generates the electricity, I would get anywhere from 35 to 45 miles, depending on the weather and how I'm driving it. Okay. Without charging it. And when I do charge it, it usually takes on the fast charge, which is uh, goes at about nine hours or so for a full charge. That's the same way it is for about a Bolt. The, mm-hmm. the Bolt, they have, I think, a little bit more of a range. Uh, some of the other electric cars have a little bit more of a range. But you're, you're going to need, if you're driving for a couple of days without charging, you're going to need these charging stations. Got it. Okay. And there are people that live far enough outside of the of their work, like we had one of our directors who lived up in Brighton, outside of Denver, and would drive here, and if he didn't charge up at work, he wasn't going to make it home. Right. I mean, there were times where he was worried that he wasn't going to make it to work, actually, if he had the heater on, and it was cold because that saps the about 60 or about 40% of the battery, so he only had about 60 to 70% of the battery power available, um, and then have all the electronics going on in the car. So he's really concerned about that. So it does change the way you think about how you operate your car and how you drive uh, and how you fuel it up. So the owner said he's not too worried about how the switch will change his business income because the income mainly comes from sales of stuff, not gas. Mm -hmm. That's how most of these independent convenience stores make their money by you going in and, and buying stuff. So profit for the gas station owner, it's typically around two to four cents per gallon. When they're selling gasoline. But but that only applies basically to regular grade fuel. They tend to make more on other grades and on diesel fuel. And it can be as high as 7 to $0.09 cents a gallon, but they're not selling enough to really make big profits. That, it, because, all right, so let's say the station sells 40,000 gallons a week. Um, pretty pretty uh, typical for a, for a station at a, at a busy intersection. At $0.05 cents profit... net income a week, okay? $2,000. That's enough basically to pay two people $15 an hour and the electric bill and maybe the insurance on the gas station, Mm. and that's Mm -hmm. it. Really not any profit for the owner or for upkeep and maintenance and improvements or anything else. Uh, The profit for the owner comes really from the sales of things in the store, and that's why they want to get you into the store when you're pumping gas. That's why they have those really cool sales uh, or you know cool stores with all the cool uh, with, with the food in there and and the coffee in there. That's where they make a lot of their money is in the coffee sales, drink sales. They want you to come in and buy stuff. Correct. The owner of the converted store said that he doesn't expect to become rich overnight, but he adds that it is a good cause. Get the hmm. heck out of here. Yeah, it's a good cause because they gave you eight hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. 
I mean, when did any small business owner do anything for a good cause over making a living? Well, because it was a grant, right? It it was not a loan in which you have to pay it back. He was granted this money. Yes. Now, the station will feature four dispensers that connect to a high-powered 200-kilowatt system. The system is going to allow four vehicles to charge simultaneously to reach 80% battery charge in 20 to 30 minutes. Th- that That is the problem with electric charging right there. 100%. What am I going to do at a convenience store for 30 minutes? And you only have four people that are able to do that at a time. Good. And then yeah. you have somebody. So if you had more of these cars, you're going to have to have a line, I guess, waiting for people to be done charging. I mean, drivers can go inside. They can sit. They they have some automated convenience store with screens that allow you to track your vehicle's charging progress. And, and of course, you're... When you're captive for an hour or, or, or even a half an hour or, or 20 minutes, when you're captive for that long, you're more likely to buy something, a drink, a coffee, a Chorito. Anything. Anything. Gosh, anything right? to pass the time, right? A magazine, perhaps. But it also only leaves those four stalls available to fill up cars at a time. So when you're out of power and you need a charge, but someone's there, you might have to wait 15 or 20 or 30 minutes for a spot to open, and then you can do the charge. And then you're waiting for another 15 or 20 or 30 minutes for your car to charge up enough for you to get going and go where you need to go. Much difference than the five minutes you're going to spend at a current gas station getting gas and then off you go and you can do what you want. I mean, the logistics of this literally like give me anxiety. Why in the world would I want to wait 30 minutes for a car to charge? You don't. Nobody does. You don't. And that's the problem right now with wide-scale use and sales of electric cars. Well, not even that, but just, like, the business model. Like, this, the idea of an electric car, again, getting back to my original point, is that you charge it at your house. It wipes out the need for gas stations. Convenience stores basically are just needed to be convenience stores. But if I live in an apartment, how am I going to charge it out of the uh, out of my apartment? Am I going to run a cord all the way down the window and out to the parking lot for my third level? As much as I love that visual, and it's certainly possible, I think that the majority of people who own electric cars also have the means to live in apartment complexes that offer charging stations, which a lot of them do in a city like this, where you see a large electric car population. Many of those apartment buildings have a couple, maybe even six. It was at one of my apartment complex charging stations. So that's a thing, right? The, what I but, don't but, see being a thing long term is the idea of me driving somewhere, plugging my car in there, and waiting 30 minutes. Wh- who ever, ever is going to do that? Unless there's a restaurant attached or like a, a, ca- a cafe, maybe? You have to really rethink what a convenience store looks like if you're asking people to wait there 30 minutes for their stuff to be done. And what your work uh, parking lot looks like if you're driving to work, right? Um, and what restaurants, like you said, or the ga- or the uh, or Walgreens, they're all they're all gonna need charging stations, parking meters. I mean, if parking meters had a plug thing too, how often yeah. would that get used? And that's a way for cities to make extra money. I just gave that to you, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, that's a gr- that's a great idea. Yeah, that's a really good idea right there because then it is everywhere. Yeah. Um, and then you could charge up anywhere wherever you're parked. And that's what it, I, I mean in. Getting back to your other point, that's what the problem is. You need to be able to charge anywhere simply for in a short period of time, not having to sit and hunker down for a long period of time. Again, it's not impossible, but it is inconvenient. And that is where people start going, "Uh uh-uh, not going to do it. It's not going to. I mean, when I think of somebody who doesn't like to be inconvenienced, I think of my morning anchor, Molly Hendrickson. If she's inconvenienced, she won't do it. (laughs) 
I, I, that, I I'm like that. Gosh, man. I oh understand. no, she's real. I mean, real. She's high maintenance, the highest of maintenance. And if you don't make it convenient for her, then she won't do it. And that there are a lot of people in similar situations. Yes, with similar feelings. So you just have to think about how you're fueling up your car. Luckily for me, I have a Chevy Volt where I don't have to think about it. I can go to the gas station, spend three minutes there, put in six gallons, and I can drive 300 miles. Well, and to your point, you also work at a place where you can plug your car in while you're at work. That too. So that's eight hours of charging that a lot of people just don't have available to them. And it gets me, it gets me from here to home and maybe part of the way back. Uh, but yeah, it gives me about a gallon worth of gasoline in that car. So it gets me about 40 miles depending on the weather and uh, how hard I'm driving it. But it, it's nice to not have to worry about it. Right. Um, and then when I'm driving in very cold temperatures, like I was last week and, and even the last couple of mornings, the engine will kick on. So I don't have to worry about the battery being depleted super fast because I'm running the heater and I have my heated seat on and I have the radio on and I don't have to worry about any of that. It's great. Um, it's, it's just, it, it's a freeing, it's a freeing feeling, I should say. There you go. Having my Volt over the other ones. I mean, cause there, all right, there, there are more than 1600 Tesla supercharging stations for their owners and they're across the country. I remember seeing one when we stopped in Colby, can't no, it was in Colby, it was in Goodland, Kansas for one of our baton competitions. And there's a, a gas station there. There's a hotel or restaurant or something right there and they do have several tesla stations that you just but they do charge pretty quickly in about that 30 minutes and then they can get going another two or three hundred miles there you go but they have their own little different deal some of the big automakers have developed their own ev charging business models volkswagen is funding uh something called electrify america it's part of their investments in renewables made after their whole diesel emission malarkey that they went through <laughs> disaster they're also venture capitalist based ev charging startups like ChargePoint, and they say they plan to create as many as two and a half million chargers by 2025 that's what's going to have to happen we're going to have to have some kind of infrastructure change first and then people can start buying electric cars that hopefully will become less expensive in five to ten years until you're really going to see a change over from gasoline cars to then Electric cars, and then you're going to have to find out a way to change the whole gas tax model because then you're going to have fewer people buying gasoline and less tax revenue for roads and bridges. Oh, let's be honest here. They're just going to kill electric cars before they change the gas tax model. Why can't we go to hydrogen? I thought hydrogen cars were going to be the way. Where's my hydrogen car? Let's go 360. Now, last week I teased this story. I saw something come across my Twitter feed, and it said parking job. And, and I, I, I'm curious. I'm a curious man. So I clicked it. And I'm glad I did click it. So the job is for parking attendant driving. That's the name of the job. Parking attendant driving for SP+. Like, what? What? Okay. what, is, what is SP+. Plus? They say they're an operations specialist who link innovation with market-based expertise in our parking, bags, transportation, facility maintenance, event logistics, security, and consulting service lines. I hate it when companies do this. Duh, Jason, you didn't know that? <laughs> <sighs> companies. Wh- who do they pay to come up with this garbage? I, I, 
I can tell you they pay certain people a lot of money to come up with that garbage. Goodness. Just talk like a regular here here's your here's your tip. Talk like a regular person businesses and you can get regular people to work there. The best part of this full-time a parking attendant job is over at the Cherry Creek Shopping Mall here in Denver, which is just a little bit east of downtown Denver. It's actually the Cherry Creek Shopping Mall. I believe it's still one of the top 10 attractions listed when you're supposed to come to Denver. You're supposed to go to the Cherry Creek Shopping Mall. Listen, that mall is pristine. I was there this weekend, and I just can't get enough. Now, here are the job requirements. If you would like to have this job, Joseph, I know you are the highfalutin executive producer of the evening newscast here at Denver 7 News and uh, and one of my bosses. So if you're looking for another opportunity. Thank you. I can't wait. Tell me more. Highfalutin. In in, in case your highfalutin job is, uh, you know, getting a little too stressful. Here is the overview and basic function. Ensure that appropriate number of cars is kept on location throughout the shift. Cars are being parked in an appropriate fashion. And the lot is kept clean and presentable. It seems pretty simple. Seems pretty reasonable. Okay, okay. Here are your responsibilities. Direct incoming customers to available parking spaces. Count vehicles on location throughout the shift as needed. Why would you need to count them? One, two, Especially the Cherry Creek Mall where they have sensors that count them for you. Write and issue violation warnings to tenants and visitors that violate garage policies. So now you're a ticket giver. Patrol transient and reserved parking levels on foot or in customized motor cart. <laughs> Segway. Is it a Segway or is it a golf cart? It, does, it just says a motor cart. I just want you to know there is a huge difference because I will not take that job for a Segway, but I might for a golf cart. Well, it's customized, so it's got to be pretty cool. Does it say my name on the side? That could part of, be part of the customization. Provide assistance to customers that have forgotten where they have parked their vehicle. <laughs> if you, they don't know, how are you supposed to know? Do you remember what car you're driving, Susan? <laughs> Responsible for being at work every scheduled day, on time, and in uniform. Isn't that the requirement for most jobs? Any job with a uniform, yes, sir. Courteously, courteously, courteously. I'm not very good with that word. Assist customers by answering any questions they may have. If necessary, direct the customer to the facility manager for further assistance. Where did I park my car? Let's go ask the manager for assistance. Control traffic at entrances and exits as needed. Assist in the maintenance and repair of parking equipment and any other general maintenance tasks as directed by the facility manager. So now you are have to uh, learn how to fix things. You're a handyman. Yeah. Okay. You're a parking attendant and handyman and also driver of the motorized cart. Report any unknown accidents, observed or suspected violations of company policy, safety hazards, or any other unusual occurrence to the facility manager. These, again, are parts of the responsibility of this parking attendant job. Communicate debris, water, oil spills, etc. to the garage office. Substitute for valets when needed if if authorized. There we go. 
Now we're getting somewhere. So now you are also a valet. This is a stepping stone job, man. That valet position is pretty sick. I was a valet for a while. It was a great job. That's what I'm saying. Drove a lot of cars. Exactly the job you want. It was tough for me, though, when the women would uh, come in with their cars because typically uh, they are a lot shorter than I am. So I'm trying to cram in. They're, you know, they're sitting real close to the steering wheel, so I'd have to move the seat back a little bit. I always felt bad about that because having your seat in the right spot is always uh, a paramount to too comfortable driving. Agreed, but the inverse would be much worse. Can you imagine being 5'3 valet trying to park a car by, driven by Shaquille O'Neal? <laughs> yeah, right. Have a thorough knowledge of all areas of the garage, thorough knowledge of the major streets, landmarks, and freeways in the area of the garage. Qdoba's that way. <laughs> you could leave now. There's the street. An assist facility manager with other duties as needed. Those are your responsibilities. Okay. I think I could handle all that. I think you could handle all those exceptionally well. Thanks. Now, here's the best part. Here are the qualifications for this parking attendant job. Are you ready for these? (laughs) No. Education experience required. Less than high school education or one month related experience, training, or an equivalent combination of education and experience. Can't they just say no experience required? (laughs) You don't even have to have high school education. Like, why even put that on there if you don't need a high school education? Just say nothing. Nothing. Just show up. I like how it (laughs) says one month of related experience. Who's working for a, a parking attendant for one month and then having to jump ship and go into another parking lot? I mean, I didn't know you're getting recruited to go from parking lot to parking lot. Wow, all right. License requirement. The individual will only be required to have and maintain a valid state-issued driver's license with a current address and acceptable driving record. Not good, not great, not pristine. Acceptable. If the individual is expected to be able to drive a company vehicle or drive on company business, i.e. the motorized scooter Correct. cart. Availability to work. Special shift requirements, if any, will vary depend on locations, hiring needs. If applicable, ability to work second shift, third shift, and or weekends may be a requirement. I believe that's uh, evenings and weekends is how they now and say. And overnights, apparently, too. Yes. Yep. Language skills. Ability to read and comprehend simple instructions. (laughs) I can do that. Go here and go help that person find their car. Can you? Are you sure? Able to comprehend short correspondence and memos. Love memos. Love memos. Ability to write simple correspondence. Ability to effectively present information in one-on-one situations to customers and other employees of the company. Seems pretty standard for any position. People skills. Mathematical skills for this parking attendant job. Ability to add, subtract, two-digit numbers and multiply and divide with tens and one hundreds. <laughs> you laugh. There you go. You laugh. There's probably people that can't do that, right? Uh, probably. You, can you add and subtract two-digit numbers? Are you asking me if I can do that? I think you can. Yeah, my, I could do that. My eight-year-old daughter can. She can also multiply and divide with tens and one hundreds. She's qualified already for this job. Does, does she doesn't have the people skills? She doesn't have the no. She does have the people skills. She just doesn't have the driver's license. There you go. No, okay. she has lots of people skills. This one. Also, the ability uh, the ability to perform these operations using units of American money. American money. 
also known as the dollar. Appearance. Employees will be required to maintain a neat and clean appearance and be in complete uniform at all times. I guess that is subject to interpretation. Like, right, within reason. While performing these duties of this job, the employee is regularly required to stand, walk, and use hands to handle cash and equipment. The employee is required to reach with hands and arms. <laughs> How else are you going to reach? And talk and hear. <laughs> Relevant, right? Very relevant here. Please come with your ears open. The employee is occasionally required to sit and climb or balance. Really? Like standing up? Is that included in the balance? I w- tell me more about the climbing. Well, how much climbing will I be doing on this <laughs> We need job? to do quite a bit of climbing. It does not say anything about having a harness while you're climbing. I can't wait to hear more about the that. The employee must occasionally lift and or move up to 25 pounds. They list that on every job application, by the way. There's no job that you will apply for that doesn't say on there somewhere, and you have to be able to lift 25 pounds. Just in case we ever need you to lift anything, you need to be able to do it. I think your job and my job, we don't need to lift 25 pounds. No, but we? that's in my job description. Is it really? Yeah, if you look at the posting for any producer job at all, so it says like down there is like the last qualification. We need you to be able to lift 25 pounds, too. Just in case. You might have to lift a case of printer paper or something. I don't think I ever, when I got this job, it was... Uh it was kind of a weird thing where it really it wasn't posted. It was one of those. You've had your job for so long that they don't even have like a description written probably. No, they don't. Yeah. They didn't have a description written when I got the job. The hourly rate for this. All right, let's, uh, let's take your guesses on hourly rate. There's a range for the hourly rate. <laughs> I, I, I could not even venture a guess. Depending on your experience, maybe if you've already had one month experience doing this at another parking lot, Fourteen to seventeen dollars an hour. Seventeen dollars an hour for a job that uh, you don't even need a high school education for. For three dollars more, we'll make you a bus driver. Yeah, as long as you have a driver's license. Yeah, sure. But you—it's fifteen dollars the hour is the quote-unquote living wage, isn't it? Isn't that the the? And this is a paying more The living than that. wage is higher than that. The minimum, the $15 an hour is what they want to push the minimum wage to. Yes. So there you go. Those are the requirements for being a parking attendant at the Cherry Creek Mall right here in Denver. It is a hard conversation when we have the minimum wage conversation, right? You have to t- look people in the eye and be like, okay, you understand that by raising the minimum wage to $15 an hour, the least intelligent, qualified person that you went to high school with, picture that person in your mind. The least qualified person who you knew was going to be a, a, in a non-existent position for the rest of their lives mm-hmm. is going to make $15 an hour. Are you okay with that? And if you're okay with that, yeah, let's raise the minimum wage. And if you're not okay with that, let's not, right? But that's really what that debate comes down to, and that's what you just illustrated. Because that job should make $15 an hour if that's the standard for what a, de- a right. living wage is. But it's going to pay up to 17 because you have that one month of extra experience. Or maybe a high school education. Then you're going to get the $17 an hour. What if your daughter did do that job? Uh, She could do awesome at it. You guys could use the extra income, I'm sure. Well, here's the problem with that job. Is that because the Cherry Creek Mall now charges for parking over there, there's probably a lot of people that bitch and moan all about the parking lot because they're getting charged money over there. I I imagine that's what most of the uh, uh, the, uh, headaches you would 
have is that kind of a job. The beauty of the Cherry Creek Mall is that there's no attendance at the entrance and exit gate because they take pictures of your license plate in both directions so they know if you've paid or not. So there's no need for a person to be involved there. That job is super automated. Like, yeah, I, I, you could literally sit in a stand for eight hours probably and do that job. And that job also leads to other ones because this SP Plus company, they have lots and lots of job openings all over the country for parking attendants and parking managers and valets. Uh, you know, it might be a good retirement job to no, do no, this sort not. of thing. No, you don't <laughs> think not. so? Because you're already good at yelling at people who get get off my lawn, get out of my parking lot. If I'm a, a nice retirement job, would be like a valet at Elway's or, or a classy restaurant where all I do all night is pick up and drop off cars for people with nice cars. Yeah, no jet is here, folks. I was a uh, valet at the Abbey Restaurant in downtown Atlanta, and it was a nice place. I there was pulling go. out uh, at least over a hundred, just over a hundred dollars a night, Friday and Saturday nights out there, and that was back in the. Man, that was in the uh, whoa, late 80s. The roaring 80s. The old late 80s, and I was making some good money. And so I was working for this company called K.A. Valet. Kev, I think it was Kevin Allen, I think it was his name, K.A. Valet. And so he would come around as I'm working, and then what? The, the, here, here was the price of me working that, uh, that, that valet job. So he was getting paid by the restaurant to provide the valet service. Mm-hmm. And then he would come around, and he would take my tips, a portion of my tips, do you think I was ever honest about how much tips I was giving him? No, I was not. That's some Godfather stuff right there. Yeah. So All right, ten percent. Pretty much. Pretty much. He'd roll up every night, Friday and Saturday nights, and then take some of my money, and then off he'd go. K A Valet. <laughs> I doubt he's still in business. I wonder whatever happened to that guy. That's hysterical. All right. So that's uh, that's a look at the show. Uh, thanks again. If you want to reach us, 303-832-0217. Uh, we're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're on all kinds of places. If you want to have a question or comment. Yes, we're on Facebook because that's where the old people hang out. Yeah, I talked to uh, about 160 middle school kids yesterday at career day. Really? Yeah. They're all on TikTok and Snapchat. Well, good. And Instagram. They're still on the gram. Well, the Chinese government already has all their information, so good work, kids. You just handed the U.S. over to our foreign (laughs) adversary. Oh, they love the TikTok, those kids. They're all over it. I'll tell you what. Wonderful. Uh, But you know what? The interesting thing, there were a lot of the kids that actually watch morning news because they have to be at uh, the bus stop in my neighborhood at 7 o'clock in the morning. So they they're, think their school starts at 7.20 or 7.30. So they're up watching morning news, and there were a bunch of kids that uh, watch us in the morning, which is pretty cool. That was neat. Getting those high, skill, uh, high school uh, and, and middle school kids going early. I'm not going to call the kids liars. I'm just skeptical. It's guaranteed because one of the kids actually referred to something I said on Tuesday. <laughs> and I did not make any mention of it in the class. Okay. So they definitely watch. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, anyway, thanks. Didn't you reach out to us? Uh, 832, uh, 303-832-0217. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, I'm Jason Looper, the traffic guy. I'm pedestrian advocate Joseph Peters. Be safe. And as always, happy motoring.